Welcome to a Couch Divided podcast where secular psychology meets a Christian worldview with Dr. Robin Hall and Nick Thomas. All right, Nick, sit back and relax. And if you can't, we need to talk about that. <laughs> Prepare to be couched. Welcome, everybody, to a Couch Divided podcast, another Couch Divided podcast with me, Nick <laughs> Thomas, and with the the giggling Robin over there. You heard her laugh, <laughs> and she's always smiling, always laughing. Nothing ever bothers her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Um, you are painting an extremely that inaccurate is, picture. I me. lied. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, yes, I'm Dr. Robin Hall, and so excited to be back for another episode with you. I know, and I uh, hope everybody had a terrific uh, holiday, Thanksgiving, yeah, if you're in the United States. Right, right. That you um, got to spend some time with some friends and family, and that you had a good time. How was yours? Mine was good. We had a bunch of friends and family oh, come over. There you and, go. And uh, dogs running around the house. and uh, Oh, yeah, you're yeah, a little puppy. I got a little bulldog. Oh, yeah. he is. So, I can't. He's about four months old right now. And so. his name is Toby, yeah, which is I hilarious. Know. And so my mom named my him. My son's name is Toby. I wanted to name him Rudy. Rudy? Uh, yeah. And, From what? Uh, well, I wanted to call him Rude Boy because I'm like in a ska and reggae oh. and it's like the Rude Boy thing and I just wanted to call him Is that, that where that comes from? That's in a lot of like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That, <laughs> yeah, rude Boy. Yeah, man. that like yeah. clears up a lot for me. Yeah. yeah. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah. you for giving and me so, that word. You know, right. Rudy dances on the floor. That's, you know, oh a gosh. message to you, Rudy. Yeah. You guys, <laughs> if you, have you ever posted a picture of him? Uh, Toby, saying. my bulldog? Yeah. On no, I will, media. though. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know if we should post it on the Couch Divided Why not? website. Yeah, be famous. Social media accounts. Yeah. So uh, we'll post a little, we'll have Nick post a little picture or a little yes. video of the dog. He is, oh my God. No. I haven't met him yet, which is I know. I want to bring him a over. A travesty. You should bring him over. He's so frightened of everything. And yeah, bulldogs are, are, are a little frightened of everything. <laughs> really? Yeah. Weren't they bred to like take bulls down? Yeah, but as a puppy, they're just like yeah. they're very observant and very stubborn. So when they don't know anything that they've never seen yeah, before, makes sense. boom, they run. We're all scared when we're but, little. Uh, scared yeah. easy. Like I've had German Shepherds that didn't care uh, throughout the whole stages of their life. But when they every, were puppies, you know, yeah. So we've had two bulldogs, um, and when they were a puppy, they were both little scared naders. How interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting. Oh, but huh. uh, he's getting used to it, obviously, when he's, yeah. you know, like... Uh, oh, my gosh, he's yes. He's acclimating fine. So this doggy comes after your... This is actually a great way to segue into well, our topic. Well, he looks... You know what it was... No, 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 yeah. no. Wait, wait, wait. So, like, unfortunately, this past year, Nick's family lost a dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, And... I can't even talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my You're gosh. You're cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I also lost a dog this year yeah, too. Um, yeah. But 
like Harls Harley. Yeah, I know. I'm so Harles, yeah. they're a bulldog family. I actually also have my pit bull of mm-hmm. 13 years we had to put down yeah. this summer. She was precious. Um, too. Yeah, Dahlia. She was yes. the best. My doll baby. Um, so, but like what I meant is that that's a great segue into our topic today right. because we're talking about grief. I know. Loss. What's what's harder with my dog that I got now? He looks just like Harley. Oh, yeah. He looks just, just like, like Harley. And we keep. Calling him that? Mistaken going, Horrell's Toby. (laughs) (laughs) That has to be really uh, weird for you because you're around my son so much. Yes. Yeah. And so... and You're probably going to call Toby Horrell's. Well, yes. And both of them like my hat, you know? (laughs) And both of them chew it. So it's like they got that in common. Right. How are you ever going to tell them apart? (laughs) That's so funny. Toby's a little bit more interesting than the the, the dog Toby. Yes. (laughs) Right, of course. I hope so. I mean, to me anyway. But both are very cute. I love them. Yes. Um, yeah. So anyway, well, that we're going to be talking about grief. Um, we figured that was it's a huge topic. So we're again, like we're not going to be exhaustive about it, but we figured um, because people um, experience, you know, an intensification. Is that a word? Intensification. <laughs> I think people want to understand that. Yeah, grief becomes can become more intense through the holidays. We thought that this would be. Yeah, I don't know. Forgive me. Uh, I've been a little brain dead the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm gonna blame it on the holiday. Yeah, just blame it on the holiday. <laughs> anyway, we had an, we had an episode about it. Anyway, yes. So, so uh, we're sticking kind of with our holiday theme here, and that like we figured it would be beneficial for everyone if we we talked about grief this um this happens to be like my like traumatic bereavement trauma but specifically traumatic loss at the at the foundation of trauma Mm. is my like very specific nuanced area of Mm. expertise so my dissertation focused on grief traumatic bereavement um and i've done a lot a lot of work uh in this area is an area that's very near and dear to me. Right. Um, I can get kind of soapboxy about sure, it. Yeah. So I hope that doesn't happen today. But um, yeah, like I said, huge topic, but we're going to do our best to do, you know, basic overview of it and sure. talk about it, you know, what secular psychology says and what, you know, what God says about it. So sure. um, do we have housekeeping? <laughs> I'm reminded of that uh, that part in Tommy Boy when he's uh, uh-huh. David Space trying to wake him up. Housekeeping, you know, let me fluff your pillow. Yeah. Okay, that's so funny that you thought that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I was thinking of the scene in, oh my gosh, the second Home Alone movie, um, oh, where yeah. Tim Curry yeah. is like trying to he's doing the spy same. out. It's the same bit. I didn't even realize that. Are, are yeah. they in the? Are, is it the same? No, well, he's saying housekeeping, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Housekeeping, yeah. housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's the same bit. I think. I might be wrong. Maybe yeah. I'm like projecting that scene into that movie, but that's what my brain When thought. I think of comedy, when I re- uh, see two bits, it's, I don't immediately go, they stole from each other or anything like that. Oh, no. But when they're very similar and I go, hmm, I wonder, I wonder if some writer or I wonder if, they, you know, whatever guy heard or, or they're, it's like in comedy, you, you can be such a sponge that you don't even realize it. Well, that's true anyway. Yeah. yeah. And so it's very, uh, and comedians hate when people steal, you know, the Joe Rogan and Carlos Mencia thing, if you want to see that live kind of thing. Well, but, nobody uh, likes plagiarism. <laughs> um, anyways, that so <laughs> housekeeping. Housekeeping. And we didn't steal it. Um, <laughs> um, well, I wasn't trying to steal it. Right, right, right. <laughs> anyway. 
Well, I want to I want to plug a couple of different things. Obviously, our website. Yes, check right? it out. So we got a couchdivided.com, right? You can put the www dot in there. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Uh-huh. I think it's quicker if you just if you're a nineties kid, you might. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh go to uh go to our website. It's got all of our episodes listed on there and I yes. update it every uh a couple of weeks with the new episode um uh Monday night. So even if you're surfing the internet or whatever like that, Monday well, that was really nineties surfing the internet. Surfing the internet. Oh my gosh, yeah. If you're cruising the internet or internet web or whatever. <laughs> And you want to see if our episode is up early, you might be able okay. to catch it around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night and be uh, the first one to actually hear What it. day? What day? Monday what night. night. Right. Yeah, okay. Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Arizona time so as well. <laughs> that's okay. Mountain Standard, guys. And Yes. Yeah. And we, we don't follow daylight savings. At all. We never switch. Yeah. So, so. plug in your, you know, Google uh, time in Arizona if you can't do the calculations. And if it's around <laughs> 10 or, or 10 or 11... Chances are the episode's up already. Ooh, look at that little yeah. sneak attack. Of course, you'll get the notification from all your favorite pod uh, catchers um, in the morning. As soon as it's uploaded, yeah, that, yeah. So every Tuesday we launch that too as well. This also, when you go to our website, gives you a, a chance to donate. Um, yes. And uh, of course, we, we would love for you to become a partner with us and support this show. Uh, really, for the sole means of developing content and yeah. keeping the lights on as well. Um, we do work hard on this, and we're learning the ins and outs of how to do it properly. Uh-huh. Uh, if you remember our early episodes, the sound quality Ooh. wasn't good, but as we got better. Forgive us. Yes. Uh, somebody said that they love the COVID episodes, and I go, really? Because I can't hear them. You know? oh, okay. <laughs> Is there any way for us to like remaster that? Somewhere? Yeah, I could probably go back and, and do that, so maybe I'll do that. Well, you know? with your help, we can spend time doing things like that. Yes, so. I know. That's what I That's um, what I was saying. It's like yeah, we, the time... We've gotten, we've gotten a few donations and like I blows my stinking mind like we can't even oh yeah and your yeah. your comments on those donations I know. And... so we love you guys we are so blessed by you guys please don't feel obligated like at all but yeah um we know there's lots of ministries that yeah i'm not holding out my hand saying alms <laughs> for the poor we're committed to this one way or another Please, so. Mr. we're so hungry we would here. just we would love to be able to spend more time doing it um and unfortunately that means so, uh, time, time you know, the you. more support that we have from you guys, the better quality that's going to come yeah. out of this. If you can see our setup, we have two wireless mics and we're sitting on couches in a room. And, I know. And it's great. It's very intimate setting. Yeah. But of course, we would like to do things that uh, um, that are studio quality. And, of course. Uh, and so yes. you know, that's our goal one day <laughs> and one day. Right. But we... Uh, we well, ha- and we know lots of podcasters do it the way we do. Yeah, so, that's right. You know. And so, and it, for me, like, because I do way less of the technical stuff. Yeah. So I, I understand way less, like, about how better equipment... I you know right. I know like in theory right better stuff makes right. better product but right right um, and should we mention provoked at all oh yeah let's plug it so if you go to Apologia Studios um, in YouTube uh-huh. or uh, apologiastudios.com is out their website I think so yeah. um, there is a show called Provo- provoked yeah um, hosted by uh, Pastor Zach Morgan whom I absolutely love, love, He's, love, uh, love. Just, and then his sister and Desi sister Mays. who I yeah, absolutely love Desi Mays. Um, this woman she's a firecracker uh, yeah yeah and like i think she can be she's up. so bold oh i yeah. wouldn't want to fight her yeah. <laughs> i probably i'm probably like three or four inches taller than her and i still wouldn't yeah it's just like no you yeah. know um she's lovely her brother's lovely um they have a great show uh mm-hmm. check them out we are getting ready to record a crossover episode with them um and i guess we'll kind of keep the topic secret. yeah let's keep the topic hidden but it is 
so it's but it, it's going to be yes. very very good um and we're talking about the general atmosphere of the church i won't give the topic away yeah. but you will love yeah. it's uh, gonna be episode. super interesting so yeah and as soon as we record it with them obviously we'll let you know but i do want you to go to and check out provoked episodes if you don't know yeah, about that they're great um their whole podcast is you know they're they feel provoked to evangelize and they feel provoked uh and there's a uh, there's a lot of abortion um ministry uh there uh provoked to save children um and then also talk, uh, talking about pastors who don't shepherd right all these kinds of topics come up on provoked and um from a, a pastor a biblical reformed pastor and uh, a biblical reformed woman um who are brothers and sisters right uh, well and we provoked should... to uh claim the name of christ so. right right to follow the the call to be obedient to the call right such a good name for the podcast yeah, it really is provoked. um and we should say too like these both of these guys um li like live this out you mm -hmm. know this isn't something that they you know get on a podcast and talk about for an hour you know every couple of weeks and then that's mm -hmm. it zach is our outreach pastor like it's his job to yeah. coordinate all of our evangelism efforts i was just speaking to him last night and he was giving me wise counsel yeah you know what I mean? oh i love yeah. oh yes um and yeah. desi is always out yes. doing it so like they you know money where their mouths are <laughs> Um, and they're, it's just great. You're going to get solid biblical. Well, and that's the reason why they're hosting the podcast too, as well, because they have so much experience in street evangelism. Yeah. Um, and they see the, the structure and the ways of the world. They're street preachers at heart, you know? And, uh, so you're going to hear a very cool podcast from a street preacher and a mm. sister, uh, of, you know, some of the experiences that they've had. And sometimes they even debate atheists and yeah, yeah, uh, that's poor fun. choicers and things like that. It's on there so too. it's so interesting. Like I real, I've been a Christian, um, um, like about about ten years, about a little bit over years now. Yeah. Um, and still, when the like the term street preacher mm -hmm. gets used, what I bring to mind is the like lunatic, yeah, homeless guy what, on like you know the corner the downtown screecher. Yeah. street screecher. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna work to amend that yeah. image. Well, um, I yeah, I, I still get that feeling. Now I do a lot of street yes, preaching, do, and yes. so I uh, I still get that feeling. But yeah. after a while, it's like now there's a difference between proclaiming the gospel. And then screaming at people. Oh, well, who of are course. Going, you know, no, and, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, I'm saying it's an in, incongruent. Sure. Yeah. It's like almost, you know, you know and then that's the way the world sometimes uses. They just lump us all into one kind yeah. of thing. And it's like, all right. You know, I get it because I once thought like that. Yeah. I mean, and absolutely. I was, uh, my first experiences, I was wondering if I was going to get portrayed like that. And How like, interesting. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, it's weird. This battle, that's what Paul said this wrestle against sin. You got an inward, you know, part yeah. that wants to rebel and, and, and fight. And, well, and, once a man, like, please man. Yeah, you know? and, and that's that was a little bit of the feeling that I had when I first went oh, of uh, course. on the street. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I don't my, know that you would be normal. If my you first did. time street preaching was with Zach Morgan. Oh, how cool. Street preaching, you know, right. not preaching, but street preaching. But, yeah. So, yes, we want to plug, 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 provoked. Um, go check them out. Um, okay, so um, I started off by qualifying that one of our reasons for doing this is because that gr like grief the losses that we experience tend to be um sharper during holiday seasons uh, the ho the holiday season which makes sense um i think just kind of logically mm. um celebrations that promote togetherness right highlight who isn't there 
-hmm. or who, you know, like where you aren't. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're talking about, you know, like more abstract loss, but we're going to focus on grief as it applies to like losing a person today. Um, We experience the grief like over lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff, which is why I said this is not an exhaustive discussion. Um, but I think also like very importantly, and maybe I'm being captain obvious here, grief is an important topic because it is something that we all experience, right? Every single person. It really is a part of being a human. Human. Yeah. Yeah. When sin entered the world, death entered the world. Right. And, um, so it's something that like (laughs) we, you won't escape. I mean, Oh, there are exceptions to every rule, right? If you don't live long enough to lose anybody, then maybe you won't experience grief mm-hmm. or loss in this way. Um, there are, of course, caveats to every rule, but mm-hmm. like for the very vast majority, like 99.999% of human beings, mm-hmm. we will experience loss, the loss yeah. of a person that we love, mm-hmm. right? And the grief that accompanies that so mm-hmm. um you know this is a topic that applies to all of us we'll be pre- like preaching to ourselves as much as we're discussing it with you guys today not that we're preaching but um yeah i really hope it's beneficial so um i've got so much information about this nick well, there you go what me too I gotta tell me what you understand like what is your understanding of grief like what's your concept of grief well, as a Christian now, like I said, it, it is part of being human. Yes. And it is something that we all recognize. So the Bible is going to have a lot to say on it. But just off the cuff, when I when I think of grieving, I all, always think of uh, losing something of value or taking away from me. Mm-hmm. As I grew as a Christian, that it's also mourning over my own sin. And what I mean by that yeah, yeah. is that I'm grieved by the fact that I've done this or, and I, so it's an instant regret, um, sort of thing. Um, and sometimes it's affiliated with my past self and that hits home too as well, because God has saved me from that. Um, but then you get to wash your face and recognize that there is no condemnation. It actually brings joy, uh, sometimes. And so, but uh, primarily when I think of grief, I think of something of value that I hold near and dear to my heart taken away from me. And then I'm in a, a state of loss and grieving over that. Sure. Um, I think that's primarily what I think of grief, though I know that there's all kinds of stages. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you brought that like that up. So again, I feel like I'm, I'm just going to beat this dead horse a few times throughout this episode. This is not an exhaustive discussion. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to we're not going to talk about the kinds of losses that occur that are more abstract. And even if it's tangible, like you had a couch that you loved that you lost, Mm -hmm. you know, you can experience grief over that. Mm -hmm. But like we're going to focus specifically on the grief that occurs when you lose a person. Yeah. Yeah. So um but I'm I'm so glad you brought it up because it like it just really demonstrates again like how complicated mm-hmm. this is. It's a very complex topic. People are afraid of it. We have a very very unhealthy relationship in our country with death, um, which is weird. It's like that's the only consistent thing that's happened in humanity. Well, so actually historically, what what occurred, yeah. um, prior in the at least in the United States prior to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. There were no 
there were no like mortuaries. There were mm. no, there were no, um, when someone died, you buried them at your house, mm-hmm. right? Like in the yard, mm-hmm. um, you spent time with their body. Mm-hmm. Death was something that was much closer to the average person mm-hmm. than it is today in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the family's job to mm-hmm. take care of everything when somebody died. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the Civil War, we started having mass casualties, mm-hmm. right? And boys, men were dying and they were dying far away from home. Mm-hmm. So somebody had to undertake. Uh-huh, the like charge of mm. caring for the deceased right. and getting them home, which is where embalming became kind of common practice because like rather than, you know, sitting with a, a body for, you know, three or four days, which you can do without embalming it. People don't realize this. Mm. Um, you're, you're talking about long journeys home, right? Right, right? So needing to preserve the body of somebody who died mm. to get them back, right. To get work. them back home became, common practice so you see right at this point in time a huge shift occur culturally and it's no longer now like common practice for the family to take care of their own deceased Mm. it becomes something that's outsourced and i'm like so what i'm not saying is that i desire to take care of my dead loved ones um in my house Mm. right what I'm saying is that we lost a lot There's when sort we of a paradigm shift. Yeah, when we outsource this, right? Like, right. Um, it's something that we become very afraid of. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody knows how to handle it. People have no idea how to how to handle their own grief, let alone someone else's. Which is why you get a lot of really awful stuff um, exchanged between people when someone's grieving. So, like platitudes are my least favorite thing mm. um and if you've offered them to somebody who is mourning who's been bereaved right. knock it off don't ever do it again right. um i've had bereaved parents tell me that they've heard things like well at least you're young enough to have more children mm. or yeah it's pretty insensitive <clears throat> things yeah. like god needed another angel which by the way is so theologically yeah. incorrect i don't yeah. even know where to begin yeah, I, I, um you do I've not become funerals, you don't become an yeah. angel when you die yeah folks yeah. angels and human beings are different and so i i bring that up and it's like but it's just a sweet sentiment and thing i was like you know no, what? no, no. it no, breathes no, 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 no. into the culture it's no like, okay so yeah. this is what it is that comment is more about the person making it than it is about the person who's lost something i agree when I don't know what to say to you, when I when I see you in great distress or pain, mm-hmm. and I am compelled to fix it mm-hmm. or to do something about it, I start looking for things to say, mm-hmm. and I come to garbage like that. And let me like it, like emphasize this: it is garbage. Mm-hmm. It does harm. Harm. I remember somebody trying to tell me that. You know, your grandma's, uh, your grandmother's in heaven right now, and she's sitting right next to God right now, and he's opening up a book, uh, and he's showing you, uh, showing her everything that you have accomplished in your life, and she's smiling, and it starts filling in these things of heaven, and I'm completely reformed at this point. Like, he, you mean he's, like, painting a picture? Yeah, he's painting yeah. a picture of what God is doing with this person in heaven, like, looking at me through a book and stuff like uh-huh. that. And... <clears throat> I, I didn't believe any word yeah. <laughs> that this, right. you know, but I go, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
I hope she's worshiping Jesus and not and not sitting around <laughs> looking at my a life whatsoever. with God. This is supposed to be a joyous moment. Looking <laughs> at a photo album. Yeah. So, okay, let me I want to speak to that because I think it's really important to be sensitive. Like if there are images that you conjure about a deceased loved one being in heaven and reuniting with lost relative like other dead relatives, like if that helps in your grief process, do it. Mm. As long as it doesn't become idol worship, there's absolutely no harm mm. at all in doing something like that. Now, your theology should impact your imagination mm. a little bit. And I don't know if our relatives sit around like reminiscing about it. We don't have any idea if that happens no, or not. You know, so... No, theologically, before the resurrection of the dead, it's called it's what theologians have called the intermediate state. Yeah. Um, I don't know what their body looks like. Yeah. Because we don't receive new bodies until the resurrection of the dead. That hasn't happened. There's yeah. all kinds of theories on that. But what the Bible says is this. No eye is seen. Yes. Right? No, no ear eye is heard. Yeah, no ear right? is heard. Right. You know, in Revelation 20, we get the images of martyrs crying out to Christ for vindication and for retribution, yeah. and he hands them robes, but obviously John's vision is metaphorical and hyperbolic and in imagery, pointing to an actual reality, but he uses these things. So it doesn't really definitively tell us what that looks like. Right. Um, or there, uh, it's an ethereal thing up there, but what I am comforted <laughs> in is if they're with Christ, right. that is my ultimate hope. Right, there's they're, no pain, exactly. there's no, right. It says in the scriptures that God loves and is pleased uh in the death of his children mm. um because if they're his children they've you know yeah they've walked that faithful life right and there's actually nothing more joyous it's a bittersweet moment right. because they're crying right. and so nothing is like a funeral of a christian right I well I, well uh, right so yeah. and let's not get too far ahead of that like i want to yeah you want to okay, yeah, okay, cool. yeah i want to like it's really important that we bring that in but i think before we get to any of that like it's really important that we like pay respect to like the grandiosity mm -hmm. and the, the, like the nature, the heaviness that grief, like mm -hmm. that bereavement and grief is. And, um, then, and then of course there's, you know, and it says, you know, mourn with those who mourn right. and things like that. So there are ways to handle, you know, a person that is mourning. You know yes. I mean? And sometimes yes, yes, it's just, yes. it's up there and cry. With I them. love that yeah. so much. I feel yeah. like, God speaks so beautifully to this topic. My favorite scripture, like you've heard me, I'm sure it'll change over my life, but my my favorite scripture is in John and it's two words, hmm. Jesus wept. Yeah, right, right. And so, you know, you have God incarnate who knows mm -hmm. that he's about to literally raise this man, Lazarus, from the dead. Mm -hmm. And he's so, like, he is so human. Mm-hmm. In that moment, he's, I mean, he's always totally human, totally God, right? Mm -hmm. But in that moment, he allows himself to, to grieve. Because he's got a compassion for If people. that isn't permission yeah. to feel the heaviness of the loss of a human being, mm -hmm. I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. We should understand the value of human life as Christians. And We're made in, well, what are we made in? In the Nick? image of God. The Imago Dei, right? And Nick, the image bearer. I, you know, I love the Imago Dei. I study that. That's, yes. that's one of the primary doctrines that, uh, you know, Farsi Sproul talked about faith and faith alone. I'll talk about the Imago Dei. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, over and over again, he reiterated that and, and needed to be reiterated. And I, I, I like those, 
kinds of things of reiteration, especially in Omago Day. <laughs> One of the, um, you, you bring up Jesus wept, you know, the verse right after that is the people saying, look mm -hmm. how much he loves her. Right. You know. He was so overcome looking at what you, Martha, Mary, what was Martha? Martha. Martha. Um, and, uh, and so when, um, was it Mary? Oh I, my goodness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it starts no, I'm with an <laughs> And so when I, when I look at that, I, I understand that he's the good shepherd and that he cares for his right. sheep. This was not mourning because, I mean, Lazarus yeah. was his friend too, but he already knew that he was yeah, getting Yeah, he to knew, raise. he knew. This is compassion and mourning simply because you love somebody. Yes. And Okay, and that's my my wonderful audience our wonderful audience is at the core of grief yeah okay and it doesn't it didn't mean that he had to channel some kind of virtue of under or putting uh himself in their shoes or anything no 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 he had a love for people yeah i know that that person it was, was perfect and authentic i mean that would be technically the only perfect manifestation of grief in history exactly yeah and so he even grieved perfectly. Yeah. And so, and I want to be careful to using that kind of terminology because I don't want to say that there is no wrong way to do it. There is like, if, when you start idolizing the dead, when you, when it like interrupts, when it interrupts your ability to worship mm -hmm. in a lasting way. And I don't mm -hmm. mean like right after you lose somebody, like, you we're going to talk about this in a lot of detail but like the symptoms that you experience psychologically like you don't you're not like sometimes getting out of bed to go to the bathroom is hard mm -hmm. right so i don't mean that but when you have something that becomes a like a long long lasting like uh, um obstacle between you and worshiping god mm -hmm. like it's become an idol exactly. so it, it's not that there isn't a wrong way to do this but that being said there is no graduation date, okay? We're going to talk about like what grief is and what grief isn't. What it isn't is a prescribed process. There isn't this um this stepwise progression that you go through when you grieve. It's very messy. And trying to describe grief in that way adds what I think like exacerbates everything like mm -hmm. into the mix this not only are you like overwhelmed by the most intense emotional experience like you're going to have right mm -hmm. especially depending on who it is that you've mm -hmm. lost um now you feel like you're crazy because mm -hmm. of the way that you're doing it mm -hmm. or that there's something wrong with you because of the way that you're doing it mm -hmm. so be very very careful about that um if 30 years later somebody can't leave their house mm. that's a problem right Yeah, that's a problem that's a hindrance that's a god's problem. moral law will help you guide yeah uh, through this but and, yeah. like don't you dare don't yeah. you dare like a week after somebody lost someone i mean a year even like just don't don't you dare try and put a time frame around somebody's experience of grief mm. right like if you have any compulsion to do that Go ahead and imagine, like, put yourself in that imaginal place where you've lost the person or one of the people that are most important to you mm. and how long you would think it would take you. Mm. Okay. So there is no graduation date. We love the people that we've, we're grieving, mm. right? So as long as we love them, we will grieve. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And so because strictly because they're near and dear to your heart yeah. as well. And so um, I think part I like I always like to say this too. As Christians, we should have a fundamental understanding uh, like around the fall, what sin did, right? Like what it actually did in cor- this is so powerful. It's so devastating mm-hmm. that it separated us from God. Mm-hmm. Do you like get that? You know, it's so, that's how powerful this is, right? And as soon as it entered creation, it corrupted it, mm-hmm. and we now we die. When I uh, when I think of like say a widow, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of grieving in there. There is a it was a cultural practice. It's in the Word of God. It's in James to do this is that to be near to widows in their time of need. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like pure and true religion. He also mentions um, orphans and keeping yourself from unstained by the world. But I, I get this concept of widow because it, it, it it's in the Old Testament that he is near the widow and that we're supposed to take care of the widow. Why? And it really is an emphasis on you have another part of you, like because the two become one and now it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like um, a separation from yourself uh, on that. And uh, so the grieving process of the widow uh, is emphasized in the Bible a little bit more than um, than the grieving process of somebody who lost a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the we'll, psychology is different. Well, we'll and, talk yeah. about there. Like, there's just like there's levels. Like, you experience every loss differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what I was, what I wanted to like culminate to with what I was saying is, as Christians. Because we understand that we weren't supposed to die. Hmm. Bef- like prior to sin, right? Before sin entered the world, there was no death in the world. I mean, human death, right? Okay. That's actually where I was going with that. <laughs> Is it? Well, because like I think of that concept of why the widow, why, why, why did he put that emphasis? And it's because sin was supposed uh, it, it, it entered into the world and took what um was not supposed to be so yeah so oh i see what you're saying like as a like another symbol right because adam was joined to his wife before the fall right but now the fall happened yes okay i totally see that okay great (laughs) man see two brains are so much better than one yes you helped me like (laughs) you're like wait a minute where was i going yeah Yeah. i know sometimes it's It's hilarious so um yeah right like like have big emotions around loss it's all right. Mm-hmm. When, you, when a person dies as a Christian, you have a totally different framework mm-hmm. for understanding this. And it, like, it, seriously, atheists, of course, grieve like Christians do, mm-hmm. or like kind of, they grieve like, they grieve with like Christians do, except without the hope, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they, so, and this is just an example, a great example of how they have to borrow from a Christian worldview, yes. right? To make sense of reality. Right. Because if all we are, is evolved broccoli. They end up right? becoming theists real quick at, uh, out of funeral. Yeah, I mean, so like if if all we are is just like evolved the stardust, mm-hmm. right? If that's it, then why does it matter? Yeah, why does it matter to grieve? It's just a, what a on, chemical response. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, Your suffering, your loss mm-hmm. has no meaning. Mm-hmm. And like people that aren't Christian will argue, argue this away, but they always, always have to borrow from a Christian worldview for mm-hmm. it to make sense. Mm-hmm. They just do. Especially when they're trying to be comforted in that moment. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. So 
That's um, why you get things like God needed another angel ugh, looking down upon Guys, yeah, yeah. don't say that crap. Oh my god! <laughs> you can tell just Robin hates I that. hate it. Because there's a country song. Seriously, if you <laughs> guys that, yeah. ever like see me in handcuffs, like I'm a mugshot, it's going to be because somebody at a funeral said one more platitude within earshot of me and I went like crazy. God needed another Started angel. knocking over flowers. And stuff. I think there's a country song with that. They played it at one of my... <laughs> relative's funeral one time what yeah there's a country song with that sediment uh god need another angel oh yeah i'm sure I mean? yeah. it's an extremely it's a pop culture type yeah i mean because we call our sweethearts angels and things like yeah. that and there's nothing wrong with that like so but it, hear me out to be. Yeah. there's nothing you're gonna do to fix this yeah so stop trying <laughs> stop being yeah, seriously yeah. <laughs> there is nothing there's only one thing that makes this better and that's a magic wand that brings the person back. Mm-hmm. I don't have that wand. No, I don't know. Besides Jesus, and he yeah. doesn't do it with a wand. So yeah. please, I'm not trying to be I blasphemous in any way. Like, that doesn't exist for us. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Like, in Christ, we have the resurrection. Right. That's, I'm, I'm talking it, about our current experience yeah, here on and earth. That's right? the comforting sentiments that we should be appropriating ourselves on. Um, <sighs> if, uh, if you can. So thinking Hold about on really life. quick before yeah. you jump into that, Nick. I want I just want to finish this thought because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. important. <clears throat> you aren't going to change what's causing the grief. Mm. So don't, don't so don't try. Mm. And this goes back to the point you brought up earlier, like more we mourn with those who mourn. Sit with them. Mm-hmm. If somebody you know has experienced a loss sit with them yeah man you don't have to say anything you don't have to do anything Mm -hmm. your job and role in in that way when you come along someone alongside somebody who's grieving is not to fix it Mm -hmm. man we like launched way into this before i even did any like well i mean that's the general emphasis because you know we we have a misappropriation of grief and we're always trying to fix it by giving some kind of epiphany or thought and it really doesn't work that way now individually we're always going to be moving always going to be thinking you're always better to appropriate your mind on christ without ignoring the situation one of my great prayers was let me be sad correctly let me be uh, angry correctly i want to keep reiterating those those yes yeah but that's my personal walk with christ i'm going to think these things naturally even in a state of grief yeah um and so and that well hopefully i mean like the what you're saying is true like if you have a if you've built a very good habit of of reading the word of praying of meditating of committing scripture to memory i mean even if you're doing that we should be doing it directly Mm -hmm. right but even if you're doing that kind of by like osmosis because you're just reading scripture yeah. so often i mean i've seen people in the when most... we go through really hard stuff yeah. then that's then those practices become reflex i mean i i've seen people in the most saddest state of grief yet singing hymns to christ oh my gosh yeah i can't even... and uh that is even emotional because you can actually see the pain but they love Christ so much that he's worth the pain. And and, uh, and so they're singing unto him because they know he's good. Yeah. I, I think that brings up a next point here that there's a, a state of bitterness that people can get into with grief and they blame mm. God. You ever, God, why'd you take the, them away from oh, me? Yeah. And, and they get really angry at that. Yes. You know what I mean? And it, you, you can feel it. Yeah. I mean, I felt it, um, you know, in relatives that have died. We sing it in a hymn, prone to wander, Lord. I feel, I feel it, it, prone yeah. to leave the, uh, the the God I love. I think that's in there. Um, and, uh, but, 
you know, it does say rejoice and to be thankful in all situations. So how how do you do that? And uh, I, that takes people mourning with you, you know. Yeah. And I think that to go back to our first point, that really takes mourning people with yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, I kind of we kind of got to the like punch of it, at least for me, like earlier than I expected. But I'm glad, like, and I guess I can't help myself but drive there to that point. Um you're you're like when when someone is grieving it's not your job to change it and if you feel compelled to do that you're probably not the best person you can't to be that you can't it's a futile task and all it does is like invalidate what the person is going through Mm -hmm. so if you have difficulty tolerating like the weight or heaviness of somebody else's emotions that's fine Mm -hmm know that about yourself Mm -hmm. and if that's you maybe you're not the one that should be sitting in the thick of grief you know with somebody who's immediately bereaved acutely bereaved um okay yeah so let's do some like term defining because now that we're like however many minutes into the episode um actually uh yeah we'll do i have some cool quotes too i think will be fun um so Hold on one second. Get to. Um, I've been using the term bereavement. Um, bereavement is defined as the experience um, of having lost a loved one. So bereavement is the experience of like having lost someone. Right. Grief is the response to that loss. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, there's no reason that any of you guys are going to really need to use those terms, like differentiate those terms, but in like clinically we do differentiate them. So bereavement is the loss itself, the experience of the loss and grief is the response to it. Okay. Um, most of our like literature, all the research around, and there's a lot around grief, um, bereavement, it all supports that that experience, the experience of losing someone typically impacts every functional domain. Okay. So, and it can absolutely manifest in Mm -hmm. physical symptoms, fatigue, sweating, chills, emotional consequences, uh, excessive fear, paranoia, anxiety around the future of this very like, um, worst case scenario type mindset when is the you know when is the next shoe going to drop when is going to hit the fan that kind of idea um just as a state a state of mind depression guilt um emotional numbing so behaviors like substance use Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you i mean people that lose when people that experience a loss and are grieving way 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 more prone hmm. to want to try and escape those negative feelings yeah because it coats everything yeah and it gives you the feel-good chemicals that you're looking well for. all it yeah. does is delay it right right those feelings don't go anywhere as much as we'd like to believe that they would yes um the the drinking and this like using of whatever substance doesn't actually d- eliminate the hmm. grief it just delays it and hmm. confuses it hmm. um And you can have lots of like cognitive distortions too. So cognitive impairment, excuse me, like memory issues, attention issues, um, decision-making, that kind of stuff. So 
if bereavement is the loss, right, the actual loss of the person and grief is a reaction, um, you can find some amazing quotes about grief. Why? Mm. Because we all go through it. Oh, yes. Um, uh, this is a this is a famous one, and you may you guys might have heard it, but um, C.S. Lewis, he's got lots and lots and lots of different s- stuff about grief, quotes about grief, book about grief. Um, the death of a beloved is an amputation. Hmm. Yeah, so again, going back to the creational account. Um, and going back into losing, you know, the right. significant a part other, of myself, yeah, a part yeah. of myself, mm-hmm. and um, something that was not supposed to happen. Sin, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Adam was made sinless, and uh, when he said, "Be fruitful and multiply," you know, um, he was already joined to his wife, and then the fall happened, mm-hmm. and so all kinds of things obviously happened after the fall. It is an amputation; it wasn't supposed to happen, but now it did. So, yeah. Um. So this is good old Sigmund Freud, hmm. Dr. Freud. We can't, you know, not pay our little <laughs> shout out to him. What good did we talk Sigmund. about him? Oh, yeah. Much Ado About Self. Go Much Ado About Self, yeah. <laughs> Oh, plug. Plug for our, our, like one of our first I, episodes. That's my favorite series. Awesome. Um, we find a place for what we lose. Although we know that after such a loss, the acute stage of mourning will subside, we also know that a part of us shall remain inconsolable. And never find a substitute. Hmm. No matter what may fill the gap, even if it is completely filled, it will nevertheless remain something changed forever. Hmm. I think there's always a wound um, yeah. there, or a scar reminding yeah. you. There should be. Yeah. There yeah. should be. Yeah. And those people that are grieving intensely in this way understand exactly what I mean. Hmm. It's like the alternative would be that we don't remember them hmm. or that we don't love them yeah, and we can't anymore. That and that's like, are happen. you kidding? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, so, uh, grief specifically, you, there's tons and tons of stuff. So if you guys do like a Pinterest search on grief quotes, a lot of stuff's going to come up, come up. Um, <clears throat> So grief refers to the psychobiological response to bereavement. Mm. Um, we've got acute grief, which just describes like the initial response to bereavement. Right. And that being like often very intense and disruptive. Integrated grief is the more permanent response or the adapted response after the loss has been integrated. Right. So life can continue it doesn't mean that we aren't continue like continuing to grieve, hmm. but it isn't uh, like impairing our ability to like function more normally, hmm. I guess. Um, and then the term mourning denotes kind of the array of psychological processes that are set in motion by loss hmm. and that facilitate the adaptation, right? Acclimating to it. Right, right. Okay, so what grief is not? We already said, like, it's not a prescribed process. It doesn't occur the same way for everybody. Just because you did it this way doesn't mean that's how your neighbor has mm. to do it. In fact, yeah. a lot of times family members can get really upset with each other because they grieve the, the loss of the same person very differently. Right. So even for me, after my dad died, my mom 
was very business oriented for a week or two. And she absolutely had to be. She was the one that was dealing with the business of dying, which is a very, very busy, complicated business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember watching her and thinking, like, why is she not more so emotional? Like, this, yeah. you know, slowed by this. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it wasn't until like she could slow down through the business of it. Yeah. Like being done. Right. Where, up, and, yeah. and so it was just, it was a little bit more like her, the intensity of it was delayed for her. That's totally normal. Mm-hmm. It's also normal that I looked at it and was like, this is different than what I'm going through. It's mm-hmm. weird. Okay. But that's the, that's the point. No, you don't have to do this the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. If you've got an expectation about like what should occur, go ahead and like shake your head loose around it. Mm-hmm. Um, grief doesn't occur in progressive stages. So most of you guys are probably familiar because it's been made very popular of uh, the five stages of grief, right? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Um, Adult Swim did like a really amazing short of a giraffe getting caught in quicksand, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he goes through the different stages. It's hilarious. If we can uh, find it, we can put it on the website. Yes, and so I'm also reminded of Tenacious D, where Kyle quit the band, oh, yeah. and they did the five stages of grief and acceptance and all that stuff. Oh yeah, it was hilarious. Okay, so um, yeah, the five stages of grief is kind of what it's referred to in pop culture. That's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, mm. and acceptance. So another little history lesson for it, y'all. The stages of death and dying, which is what they are accurately, like the accurate way to denote those stages, um, were developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who was she? <laughs> she was a um, one of a triplet, hmm. actually. How cool is that? All sisters. Um, born in 1926 in Zurich, Switzerland. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, I like to think of her as just being kind of this firecracker of a woman. Um, I'm not sure that I never knew her personally, so I don't know. Um, she actually died in 2004 in Scottsdale. Oh, really? She yeah. was here locally. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. Anyway, so um, she went against her father's wishes um, and decided to pursue being educated in medicine and became a medic and Hmm. began traveling with an organization called the International Voluntary Service for Peace. Hmm. So this was like this is a relief organization that came into areas that had been essentially decimated by world war ii Mm. to offer relief and aid okay so she was at a one of the concentration camps um i'm gonna try to pronounce this but mm, maidenek no idea nope (laughs) anyway i'm not familiar with that concentration camp but that was the name of the one she was at into it yeah (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Isn't that more like Russian? Yeah, or maybe. I don't know. Slavic. Anyway, um, and while she was there, she noticed that carved into the walls in the rooms where the prisoners were kept, like, so either into the gas chamber walls themselves or into the rooms that would hold hold these people before they were brought in mm. to, be, to be killed, um, were carved thousands of butterflies. Wow. And she was so moved by it that it 
that was really the catalyst for her launching into what would become a career dedicated to studying death, dying, grief, grieving, well, loss. Um, and the butterfly actually became a symbol for the Elizabeth Cooper Ross Foundation. Really? Um, right, because it symbolized to her the transformation that occurs at the time that you are faced with your own death. Right. Okay, which people is what those stages is supposed to be describing. Mm -hmm. It is not what we, the bereaved, experience after we lose someone but in fact, rather, supposed to be a description of the process that occurs when we learn we are going to die. Wow. Quite different. See, very, very misapplied. As I'm, as I'm looking this up, <laughs> you're right. You know, there's so much uh, misappropriation mm -hmm. on this. Like, this, I, I'm looking at the five stages of grieving over the final exam. Oh, my gosh. And so it, ah. um, denial would be like, the, the exam isn't really like that. I had a 91% average in class. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So that's like, okay, no, you get over and take the, take yeah. the, take the test. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to go through like all of the, the research and stuff that supports this. You guys like are going to have to trust me. If you want copies of studies, we can make those available. Sure. Um, but essentially for, in terms of symptoms, like the psychological consequences following bereavement as part of grief look absolutely like post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. okay and that's because loss is mm -hmm. trauma mm -hmm. especially the loss of a person right our dsm isn't the definition that it includes isn't broad enough yet mm. okay and most of the people that do grief work are gonna i mean aside with me mm. um but loss and loss is trauma so mm. there's lots of research that that proves that's true sure okay so we've you know if you guys haven't heard it, like listen to it yet go back and listen to our ptsd episode mm. um literally every single symptom that you experience in response to other trauma mm. happens can happen can manifest in mm. response to loss so re-experiencing symptoms nightmares intrusive thoughts panic mm -hmm. attacks right right, right. Um, avoidance, mm. right? Avoiding reminders of the loss mm. or, um, so you lose, you lose your wife and now you like, can't drive down this street because there it's full of restaurants that you used to eat at together. Mm. Um, then you've got like cognitive and emotional depression, mm. loss of interest in things that are normally interesting. All of the stuff that you see happen in other, like as po a post-traumatic response in other kinds of trauma you see happen in grief. So if you're seeing it, especially if somebody, if the person who is bereaved, I don't know if they can hear Toby. They, if you can hear a baby. If you can hear a baby in the background, that's my son. And Angel gets its wings. It, oh my gosh. <laughs> he is, I, like, he believes he's a dinosaur, I think. He's out there growling. Um, anyway. I'm going to keep it in. If, you, if somebody that you know, or if you yourself has experienced a significant loss of somebody that you love has died, hmm. and you are experiencing any of those things, normal. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. We weren't supposed to die, Nick. That's, you know, so, you know, when you read C.S. Lewis, and you know, you just bring up C.S. Lewis, you yeah. know, it's like, in the human condition, it's like we remember something that we've never had. We remember at one time mm -hmm. that death did not exist. 
But we haven't attained it. Our representative Adam had that, and then fall happens, and we're imputed with that wickedness, uh, with that fall, charged for that crime. Um, but there is something in our souls that are designed to be with God and aligned with God. And because of sin, we're fractured from that. Yes. And of course, that has to have the category of death and life in there as well. And so I believe that every person, you know, in of themselves to a degree, whether however they think about it, that there is a sense of the we weren't supposed to die. Yeah. Um, right. That wasn't supposed to happen, and um, and I don't want to. Grief as a consequence <laughs> um, came upon us. I'm right, and I, so you know, and even what, what tremendous mercy from God to give us an a, um, you know, uh, you know, biblical affirmations and appropriation of grief. Yes. Well. Oh my goodness. Otherwise, we would just be lost. Yeah. You know, in pain and absolutely yeah. mourn Ab- with those who mourn is one of the. Best I mean, and it's it's ever. so simple, and it's and it's so healing, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, right. Let let Christ be the healer that He is. Mm-hmm. Don't make it your job to to fix somebody's grief, to shake somebody's grief. That doesn't mean that if you don't see somebody that's like behaving dangerously, Mm -hmm. right, that you can't intercede or intervene. I don't mean that. God's law doesn't stop just because you're grieving. However, yes, you you can appropriate it. What I'm saying is is that just because you've moved on doesn't mean they have. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right? Right, right. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, if they're still sad a year later, to like give them a break. Mm -hmm. Give them a break. Mm -hmm. Check your heart around it. Right. Really, really check your heart around it. Um, Okay. So, like I said, you can see literally any number of post-traumatic stress symptoms develop following a bereavement. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think all bereavement is, uh, like, traumatic. Um, But you can argue, right, like, there are definitely more... Um, heavier matters like distressing ways that people die that you know people we're not we're not like falling into the CRT like social justice warrior trap of comparing like trying to to outdo each other by like leveling our suffering up that's not what that scripture means right right well we outdo each other in love you know like and honor yeah honor so like don't what I'm not saying is that like you like if there's any level of appropriateness to go around comparing losses. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Right. Um, but well, this person's better. But so recognize yeah. that there when some there are people right mm-hmm. that are more important in your world than others. At least mm-hmm. that should be the case, mm-hmm. right? Your husband or your wife, your children, your parents, your siblings, you know, and your best friends, you know, exactly. And we know it's a normal attribute of man to grieve. I mean, common ways of mourning in like biblical times were weeping or crying loudly. Yeah, Uh, they also would beat their chest too, as well as Mm -hmm. a woe is me kind of thing and uh, bowing head fasting. Fasting was a huge part Mm -hmm. of grieving. Uh, it allowed them to appropriate their hearts to the Lord while actually grieving for mm-hmm. somebody without toxicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go, and so, I mean, God's guidance within this is wonderful because there are some toxic things that can come yes. at you. Yes, yes, Bad practices, bad habits, sinful things and things like that. Absolutely. And, but overall, I believe the most, one of the most beautiful promises that we have is from Christ himself. Okay. And that is in Matthew 5. He says, blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Yeah. Now, what uh, way? And so that's Matthew five. It is. 
you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, blessed are the peacekeepers, blessed are this, blessed are that. The Beatitudes. Yeah, for they will see God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a, a promise to the saints about seeing Christ face to face one day. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Right. Meaning our mourning is for a time, but there will be a time where we will see Christ face to face. Again, to have that coursing through your mind as you're properly grieving um, is a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, like the Lord really is the one who can give the proper sentiment and word mm -hmm. at the time that is needed, you know. Uh, also, uh, a mourning with people who uh, mourn. I think that's obviously an image of blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. It's a manifestation of that too, mm. as well. And to understand that one day our tears will be wiped away. You know, yeah. and, uh, those are always reiterated with me in pretty much every event in my life, but even more so in grieving. Yeah. But as this is this is stuff that I have accumulated as I got to know the Lord. It's not like I can snap into that mode if I've never learned it in grieving at the same time. Yeah. So as a Christian, we constantly have this going through our mind and uh, we're we're able to now mourn in hope instead of yeah. mourn in despair which so. and i would i want to switch to i want to switch gears to like focusing on that yeah for the like rest of our episode but i want to like when like when nick says grieve properly mm -hmm. again like i want to be very careful with the words that we use around this mm. Um, and I'll like, I'll explain what I mean, like an example of that as long, like there, you're never, ever justified in your sin. Hmm. So if you are sinful, right. If you're behaving sinfully in hmm. your grief, that would be improper. And that's, that's really what I know. And I, absolutely. Yeah. I know that's what you meant. And I just, I wanted to clarify that because what we're not saying is that you can't do weird stuff or that there's not a ritual. Right. Or okay. Whatever, you know, things like I get it. You know? Like, yeah. um, I know, um, of a bereaved mother who upon learning that her daughter like was murdered, mm -hmm. like turned around and walked herself into a lake, a very large, famous body of water. Mm. And they rescued her, I guess. Um, she was, you know, removed from the water um, and hospitalized. And when the lady finally, you know, was asked by someone, a psychologist, I'm guessing, mm. why. Yeah, what was going she, on? Yeah. She said, I thought she might be in there. Hmm. What would you do? I don't know. I mean, to create that moment and that thought and that action, I can right. really, you know. So this is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. She didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Her intention was absolutely not to like freak anyone out. And she ended up hospitalized for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so be careful with the judgment you pass yeah. on people and how they respond to losing someone. Yeah. You know, parents are always rescuers. And so, you know, I mean, how went do to you, rescue her daughter? I, I, that's the closest thing do, that I, I can, mean, I can see. If we yeah. want to get really spiritual, uh, Jesus is the living water. Yeah. Sure. Maybe there was something innate in her that drew her to water. I, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter though. Yeah. But she had like, you know, the explanation was, I thought she might be in there. You're not, this isn't a rational moment. Mm -hmm. It's an emotional one. Yeah. It's a devastated a one. Yeah. Right. So now if she had picked up a gun and started shooting people, yeah. it would have been a different I mean, story. Yeah. I know you're mourning, but you don't get to do that. Okay. Kind of so, yeah. right. So when like, when we, 
-hmm. say things like grieve properly. Mm -hmm. What we mean is that like in, you know, the rest, you know, the rest in every other circumstance, a hundred percent of the time, always, it's never okay to be sinful, Mm -hmm. to commit sin. That's the sin that put Jesus on the cross. Right. Right. So in that way, it's not okay. Exactly. Right. But like people do lots of things that they need to do or that they just do reflexively, right? Upon mm-hmm. like becoming bereaved. Exactly. And through grief. So have a little bit of patience and have a little bit of care and concern and empathy, right? Yeah. And Long a little bit of emotional yeah. tolerance for somebody else's pain, mm-hmm. right? Just sit. Just sit with them in it. Um, and if you can't do it, that's, know that about yourself and don't put yourself in the position, right? Mm. Um, anyway, so for those of you, myself included, right, that are grieving through the holidays, and this, this year has been interesting for me, like specifically because it's my first year with Toby. Last year was, was interesting too because I was pregnant with him, but... Um, my dad not being here for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and for Christmas coming up. Like it's, it's odd. Like that's another thing about grief. It changes. It evolves. Um, each year. I mean, each moment that passes, it's something new. And right. I think that's one of the overwhelming components about it. Mm. Um, and as you grow, especially as a Christian, as you're sanctified in Christ, your experience around the loss changes. And sometimes right. You go back and you're like re-grieving things in a new way, like in an unexpected way. You know, you think that you've done like all the processing you could do around it. And that's not true because you change, right? Right. And your experience around the loss changes. Um, And I think as Christians, to come back to like what ultimately the point is, we have a hope that belongs only to us. And the non-believing world will try and borrow it and pervert it. But it's pretty easy, I think, anyway, to tell that it's like a, like a really crappy photocopy, like, attempt, right? Well, I'm mimicking the well, truth. You know, Paul says, I love actually verse 13. Of what? First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And he goes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. And he means dead, mm-hmm. you know, died and passed on. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him. Yeah. And so... Um, I, I loved how he says, we don't want you to be uninformed. We don't want you to be ignorant to the yes. realities of people who have passed on. Yeah. You can't just ignore that. Right. And I'm actually getting emotional at mm. that because it's beautiful. And it's he, a... he gives you a proper way to mourn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and again, there's that word proper mm-hmm. on there. But the appropriation of Christ. He, what he's doing is, is he, excellent. Yeah. He's uh, directing right. your attention yes. to where it needs to be through, yeah. through mourning. Yeah. 
where your attention needs to be as a Christian, period. And of course, we're going to think, you know. On yeah, Christ. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and the hope and the that hope. he provides. Exactly. So we mourn. In fact, um, my... I love to, but before you move on from that, like, and you'll be able to speak to this probably better than I can, but um, can you, actually, can you read it one more time, Nick? Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, let me pull it up here again here. First Thessalonians uh, chapter four, uh, verse 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to read 14 as well. Mm-hmm. But, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Okay, right. So he's... He is being very specific about those who have fallen fallen asleep, but that trust in Christ, mm-hmm. right? right? Those who have saving faith mm-hmm. that was gifted to them, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think it, th- this is like an unadulterated hope. Nothing can poison this. Nothing can touch this mm-hmm. because only Christ offers this. Exactly. Because um, it's, it's only his to offer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to get emotional too. Well, so the gospel continues to be good news regardless. Yes, you know, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. And I, yeah, so I, I definitely didn't mean to imply otherwise. No, I, I just want to really emphasize that like, even yeah. in the most despaired situation, I guess, if you want to yeah. say it that way, in your most, um, you know, bottom state of <laughs> despair, I'm trying to search for a word. Yeah. The gospel is still good news. Christ is. coming is still good news. The resurrection of the dead is still good news kind of thing. And, um, to have that coursing through again, coursing through your mind at any and all situations lets you, uh, uh, um, you know, acclimate to your grieving properly. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I so we have hope because we know that we have eternal life. That's mm-hmm. our hope. I think the way and the way that we apply this to everybody, right? Not just our like fellow like brothers and sisters, is as motivation. Right. Because go make disciples, Mm -hmm. go evangelize, Mm -hmm. go talk to people about Jesus, Mm -hmm. because that's the hope Mm -hmm. without him. Mm -hmm. It isn't like it's not a restful. It's a it's a permanent separation from the creator. Exactly. You know, my grandpa recently died and I was um, I got to speak at his wake and I wanted to read Second Corinthians five. Usually I People do read First Thessalonians four. It's our blessed hope. Uh-huh. A lot of pre-mills like this uh, passage too, as well, because seventeen, uh, verse seventeen, they use as the rapture, um, which I, I think is wrong. But um, um, but Paul talks about our heavenly dwelling, and he talks about the moaning and suffering of the believer and unbeliever, and the fact that we both suffer, but then we su- when we suffer it vindicates us further in righteousness, whereas it leaves them naked. Mm-hmm. And we don't suffer just be left naked. We suffer to be clothed in righteousness. So I sometimes some part of our grief, our mourning, our suffering, some part in there, if you're a Christian, allows you to know the eternal hope. Yes. And it's so um, it's a mystery upon a mystery. Yeah. But it's in there if you have a new heart in Christ. I, I yeah. promise you yeah. you will understand right. that. And yeah. for the people in your life that don't know Jesus, talk to them, mm-hmm. right? God and God is sovereign. He's this isn't. It's not up to you. Mm-hmm. He uses you as the mechanism to I'm, grow His kingdom, right? 
I've spoke at many funerals. I always preach the gospel. Yeah. You know, I don't care. Yes. That's You're, the hope. Somebody's going to get hear the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. It's the best moment to talk well, I about hope, it. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I hope that's what's preached at mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If it were up to me, I would. It's one of the best ways to communicate the gospel. And at my um, wedding, too. Say what? It was at my, at my wedding. And at the wedding, At yes. my wedding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you don't have Jeff Durbin or Luke Pearson marry you and not give the gospel. Yes. Um, so, you know, the holidays make grief worse. Mm -hmm. um, be easy on yourself. If, um, you know, finding a way to honor um, somebody that is that you love that's not, not around, not here, um, random acts of kindness, um, you know, paying for the person behind you in the Starbucks line, mm -hmm. um, uh, buying a birthday cake, you know, that somebody ordered at a grocery store right. in somebody's honor, mm -hmm. right. Um, is a great way to include people who aren't yeah. with us anymore. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And remember Jesus all. wept. Yes. So <laughs> be easy with, with yourself, yeah. you know, um, and if you're feeling like extra raw and you don't know why, mm -hmm. pass it through that filter, you mm -hmm. know, like is, are you without your awareness, you know, mm -hmm. is there some grief stuff coming up? Mm -hmm. um, if you're me, definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I have a poem that I would like yeah, to read and uh, it's not, it's a Maya Angelou poem. So it's not, it wasn't written by a Christian, mm. um, but this poem was like it helped me to articulate how I felt after my dad died mm -hmm. right so this is a great you can find it online very very quickly mm -hmm. um so the title of the poem is when great trees fall when great trees fall rocks on distant hills shudder lions hunker down in tall grasses and even elephants lumber after safety. When great trees fall in forests, small things recoil into silence, their senses eroded beyond fear. When great souls die, the air around us becomes light, rare, sterile. We breathe briefly, our eyes briefly see with a hurtful clarity. Our memory, suddenly sharpened, examines, gnaws on kind words unsaid, promised walks never taken. Great souls die, and our reality, bound to them, takes leave of us. Our souls, dependent upon their nurture, now shrink, wizened. Our minds, formed and informed by their radiance, fall away. We are not so much maddened as reduced to the unutterable ignorance of dark, cold caves. And when great souls die, after a period, peace blooms. Slowly and always irregularly. Spaces fill with a kind of soothing electric vibration. Our senses, restored never to be the same, whisper to us. They existed. They existed. We can be. Be and be better 
before they existed.